What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more Terrible Wrestling Takes. All right, here we go. Check it out. You know, I, I thought about what to do for Raw. I thought about what to do, you know, for this entire week and, and trying to figure some things out. I signed up for Twitch. I hung out with at Ref Marsh and the crew for Wrestling on the Rocks for a little bit. I uh, watched a little bit of Impact on there as well. And and I'm excited about what, what can happen with Twitch. But more importantly, uh, I'm excited about what to do for the podcast period. Uh, again, I still don't really know where it's all going to land, but the new commercial that you heard at the beginning of this, working on a new intro, you know, it's, I'm, I'm having fun. And, and that's, that's where, that's where this really needs to, to take precedent. So anyway, let's, let's jump into, to the wrestling so far this week. Now on Monday, we got what I considered to be at first, like a letdown. It was, you know, cause we came out so hot from from Wednesday last week with with Sting and the go home for war games like what's what's going to happen you know and and Smackdown was exactly what Smackdown was right it's the Roman Reigns show that just gives you the drama that you're looking for and the tributes to Pat Patterson you know made it like more of a um you know like a ceremonial show Sunday happens and war games is just insane just insane and and so when we get raw, you know the, the the sting is gone. You know, not that sting. The 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 sting from War Games that was like it's so impactful. Like raw really seemed like a letdown. So you know, I kind of went over my notes again and I, I looked back on the things that I saw and I go, you know what? You know, raw wasn't a shitty show. Raw was a nice status quo storytelling show, like it's supposed to be. Now, f- for me, I, I I felt like I was I was just taken back a little bit though. So, big point of the night was everything happening with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, and they opened the show and they closed the show. And I've I've held this fiend Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt. I, I think it's really special, and and what they're doing here it, it confused me because I thought the whole Bray turning into the fiend during a match. Is, is something spectacular that should have been done at the right point in time. And honestly, should have happened at the pay-per-view or even during a title match or something like that. Or or somewhere you can send Randy into the funhouse during that scenario, kind of like what happened with John Cena and Bray Wyatt. So the fact that that didn't happen kind of confused me because um, we didn't need it at that point in time. And... Honestly, at the end of the night, when when the lights went down and the music hit and all that shit, I thought we were going to get the debut of Alexa Fiend. It's really what I wanted at that point in time. I was so excited for it because they said Alexa's not going to be here. Perfect tease, right? Alexa isn't here. Whatever her Fiend character is called is here. That would have been fucking phenomenal. And that's how you end the show. Because you take take Randy and he, he fucks with Alexa's mind. They said she was traumatized. So what does she turn her trauma into? Her fiend character. 
Now who's traumatized? Now they really got Randy fucked up in the head. Like I've been saying, why is it that when The Fiend shows up, Randy's scared, but in promos, Randy's not scared? Randy wasn't scared last week. Well, have him scared this week by having to face Alexa Fiend. Would have been fucking perfect. Would have been crazy. Would have been absolutely crazy. Fiend mask and everything. You could put her in a black Sister Abigail dress. We know she's not Sister Abigail. She's her own representation of this. And so I, I thought that was a miss, you know. Um, they're, they're doing a good job building Cedric Alexander. And, you know, let's take this back to about a year ago, right, when Cedric Alexander teamed with Roman Reigns. And we all wanted this for him, but something wasn't clicking. And I think what WWE is kind of proving with the Hurt Business is that there's strength in numbers on TV. So do you care about Cedric Alexander versus Shelton Benjamin? No, but after having them together for so long, do you care about them as a tag team moving forward and who they touch? And that's yes. So just like the women's war game match on on Saturday or on Sunday, you now care about eight women who all touched at once. And then on on, on NXT, we had we had four of them, you know, come come face to face and then a fifth one. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're getting this interweaving of talent. So having having that that missed opportunity at trying to build, you know, a one-for-one storyline, right? Like what's happening with Ciampa and, and Thatcher. You know, building that one-for-one storyline, it kind of seems that's where we're missing. Well, why aren't we getting more and more bodies together? You know, create the tag teams for the sake of tag teams. I know at Justin Time 211 hates that, but hear me out here. Next week on NXT, it seems like we're going to have Ember Moon and Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm and Raquel Gonzalez. And it's for the sake of the way the story's been going with War Games, right? And it's a little bit of a repeat, but it's not. And what we're going to get is a display of four people's talents in one match. Well, that's what the Hurt Business gave us. That's what Retribution's given us. And speaking of Retribution, I'm out. I'm done. Uh, I'm not digging the story. I don't get it. I don't get it. You cannot continue to say the things that you you fail to achieve, okay? Failure's not an option. Well, you're failing, and you're not getting rid of people. The Reckoning lost her mask, exposing underneath. Why is she in the mask again? Why is she losing again? Dana Brooke and Ricochet versus Slapjack and and Reckoning was, I, I, I counted it. I clocked the match at a minute and 41 seconds. You know, having her in the mask and then also having Ali cause the distraction. I mean, it's just so dumb. You're now going to put Retribution in position to infight. These guys are going to be battling each other instead of instead of battling the the cause. There is no cause anymore. There is no more rebellion against WWE. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. The other thing that really bothered me was Miss TV. When you have Miz, AJ Styles, and John Morrison... You, Honestly, they're, they're they're stars. Ever since Miz did the John Cena thing at WrestleMania, he just propelled. He had his feud with Dolph Ziggler for the IC title, and it all just went up and up and up and up and up and up. And what they're doing right now is, is too much funny, the sarcasm. Like, it's not working for me. The impressions were funny, but you you have talent that you you win us over with wrestling, at least me. You win me over with wrestling. You know, that's why I had a problem with, with Dynamite this week. You know, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. You, you win me over with wrestling. And you can easily have The Miz, John Morrison, in, in 
amazing matches. So let's do it. Get there. But I just feel like it's 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 a waste, you know. Other than that, I think Drew McIntyre is being wasted. I think we need to get the title off of him. I don't care how it happens. Him and AJ at TLC, and you have the Miz with Money in the Bank. That's where it needs to happen. Get McIntyre out of the title. I don't like it. Put him and Sheamus together. Because this is what I was talking about with, with the Hurt Business and Cedric. As much as McIntyre had a thing, his character's completely gone. Now he's joking. He's laughing. He's wearing kilts, the sword. That's the gimmick. So stupid. But you have all that. Then, then what are you, what are you doing with the Sheamus stuff for? It's like you're putting them together just to break them up. And we don't need that. Sheamus is formidable. I called it at the draft. He should be the next one challenging Drew McIntyre. And that's not what they're doing. They're they're putting him as his, you know, joking friend. And then they they get into that brawl backstage, and it, you know, it was a brother fight. Okay, shake hands afterward. All right, you buy the beer. Like. What are you doing? Turn, just turn them into the, the new APA, you know, that style of, of tag team. Fuck it, you know. Just have them come out and, and just whoop everyone's ass. Because you have you have Cedric Alexander and and Shelton Benjamin going after the New Day for the tag titles. Okay. So next up would be Drew McIntyre and Sheamus because you have no other tag team on the roster. You have no other tag team on the Raw roster. So do something meaningful. Because everything, every time Drew and Sheamus interact, you have a meaningful exchange. Every time Drew is in a wrestling match, you overblow the character and the kilt. And he's too arrogant in the ring with not much happening. And he's not. I don't want to say he's not that good, but it's not It's not translating for me. Anyway, that's all I got on Raw. They were giving us, you know, these filler storylines to kind of get us to build. And we'll see how this flows into to the next episode of Raw as we... I believe that's the go-home to TLC. And, you know, what are we going to get? What are we going to get as the go-home for TLC? What are we going to get in the continued build to TLC? Because I'll tell you right now, I think AJ takes the title off of Drew, and we move. I think this is where they're putting Miz and AJ next to each other because it's it's that's what makes this logical. Other than that, I got nothing else on Raw. Everything else on Raw was, you know, just happenstance for me. So let's move into NXT and AEW. And my first tweet of the night, uh, I sent out a picture of my two living room TVs next to each other, and I had both on. And this was my plan. Put them both on mute, and when I see something on TV that I like, I will unmute it and listen to the commentary and watch what was going on. And for the first 23 minutes, it was all NXT. I, I, I don't buy into the Young Bucks, okay? I just don't. They do too much shit for the sake of doing shit. They did their finishing move, the Meltzer Driver. From inside the ring to outside to eliminate an opponent, which is a pay-per-view style finishing move. And you you wasted it on regular TV against a team that's not even a top contender. You're pulling out all the stops all the time. I mean, you just get used to Steph Curry shooting threes. You know, you just do. It is what it is. It's not special anymore. It's not special anymore. We see this all the time, right? When finishers get kicked out, finishers get kicked out. Where are you on the edge of your seat? When are you completely pulled in? It's, it's when those kind of stories get told and and something's left to be special. And I, I just don't see that in the Young Bucks. But the, the opening to NXT for me was just fucking amazing. We got Finn Balor back and he's trying to set up for what we're going to get when it comes to his next title opportunity. You know, I, I've been cra- craving Kushida building to that point. And it looks like we're going to get it a little bit slower. Uh, Kushida is going to team up with Leon Ruff next week to go against Austin Theory and, and Johnny Gargano. 
and I, I don't mind it because Kashida Kashida needs that rocket ship, man. He needs he needs the booster. Tate send him completely. I mean, you guys know I've been talking about Kashida. He's he's everything. He's he, he's everything on NXT, and they they kind of you know what's cool though about Kashida is they 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 pulled him back a little, but they didn't remember where they pulled him back from, or they I'm sorry they didn't forget where they pulled him back from. We had Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, Kyle O'Reilly. All come out fucking talking shit. We're the next champs. And yes, absolutely. And then Scarlett Bordeaux comes out and, you know, it's TikTok time. You know, so we have four people. Legit contenders. But it looks like they're going to break it up a little bit because Karrion Cross came out and attacked Damian Priest later in the night. Because Priest was talking that shit to Scarlett. So it looks like they're setting up the two of them to have a fight. And absolutely. And, you know, we've seen Dunn and O'Reilly several times but never just straight up so it seems like we're going to get them straight up maybe in a title contender eliminator situation but after that they had jake atlas versus swerve scott and i was amped for this match i thought this was going to be the one that you know was going to steal the show but they you know they had some chemistry issues what i found out to be really weird because they're, they're both incredibly talented and they just you know it just seemed like it didn't quite click there's some really good moves some really good stuff but, you know, overall, I was, I was a little bit disappointed. But at, towards the end of this match, I had to turn over to, to Dynamite because 23 minutes into the show, Sting showed up. And my, my first thought beforehand is that Cody loves himself some Cody, man. That guy gets the entrances. He fucking, uh, it seems like a new one every time he shows up on how, how special he makes himself feel. And, you know, he comes out and I didn't realize Arn was in the ring and whatever and Starts his promo, lights go out, Sting's dope-ass music hits, and and then Sting comes out. And Arn Anderson, I had to see this, and now I'm leaving. And then Tony Schiavone was going to leave, and Sting completely, completely ruins everything I was looking forward to with Sting. He does this like... I'm so happy to be here, excited, giddy thing with Shivani, trying to get Shivani to say it's Sting, and all the ominous of Sting is gone. This is like interview Sting. Sting, if you sit down and talk to to Steve Borden, what he's going to tell you, and he's excited to work with Darby Allen and excited to be back on TNT, and, you know, I, I was just like... For real? You know, he came out last week, did the cold walk, took forever, stared face-to-face, this whole thing, and I'm just like, dope. Now this week, all the laughing, jokey shit, that's not what Sting is. It's not what Sting has ever been. He shows up, says nothing, bust your ass. That's why I felt it weird that he was coming out to do a promo, but of course you gotta watch, right? So my thoughts on it is, AW, y'all can keep it. Keep Sting. I'll I'll tune in after the fact. I'll check it on pay-per-views. But there's nothing that was done in that promo that said, I absolutely need to watch next week. Darby Allen reminds him of himself. Yeah, he sits up in the in the seats by himself with face paint on. Okay. What's next? Because you know what's not the same? They're in-ring style. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. Not even close. So what, what am I doing? And talk about... See, this is where... This is where they need to they need a little bit more insight on their promo work where everyone gets the freestyle. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. The crowd chants it and uh, 
Shivani says it and Cody says it a couple times. This is Sting on TNT. What about Welcome Home? How about that? I was waiting for Cody to say it. All he had to do at the very end, he goes, and like I said, welcome back. And before he leaves, go, you know what? Matter of fact, welcome home. Crowd would have went fucking crazy. But they're allowed to say whatever they want, right? So not having the consult or going back and forth, why wasn't that said? It's Sting back on TNT after 18 or 19 years. Let's get a commentary to agree on whatever that number is, right? So I, I was I was, I was, was really down, really down on the Sting segment. It, it, I was hoping for it. I, look, I, I love wrestling. I have a great time watching wrestling. I want to want to watch. I want AEW to tell me I have to watch. And when I do go, man, you were right. And that didn't happen. Now, next over on NXT for me was the uh, Grizzled Young Veterans Imperium and Everrise match. And I tell you, I don't remember much of the Grizzled Young Veterans. I, I remember them being good. But they were fucking great. They were great. And Imperium has never disappointed. I never once watched a match of them and go, oh, that was whack. They are really fucking good. And, and Everrise, to me, was kind of the best they looked. And I, I think what they did here was a nice triple threat tag team display. Because none of them are tag champs. And, and none of them were, you know, the Undisputed Era. So now you have three legitimate tag teams going after it. Okay. Okay. I just saw six wrestlers who are showing off and now I know what to get when I'm going when when going forward. And no one did some crazy fucking spots or anything like that. It was just a really good solid fucking tag team match, man. That I'm glad the Grizzled Young Veterans are back. Uh so now I get to actually really really enjoy what they do. But over on AEW was FTR versus some fucking team with Brian Pillman Jr. and another guy that looks like Jungle Boy's older brother. And I just say that because I really don't know who they are. It said varsity something on their tights. And and Pillman Jr. can fucking go, man. He, he's really fucking good. But my takeaway from that match is what I've always felt. And that's that FTR is probably the best technical sounding, technically sound tag team that we've had in forever. I mean, I'm talking forever. I mean, they are the brain busters of the new new era, of the new day and age. I mean, they are Arn and Tully of today. They, they're seamless with their tags. They make everyone look phenomenal. All their moves look picture perfect. I put on Twitter that FTR are masters of the ring. They make everyone look phenomenal without looking like shit. Absolutely perfect. In parentheses, tag team wrestlers always have been. I mean, they are... Just picture perfect when it comes to in-ring technicians. But other than that, that was kind of it for me on Dynamite. I, I had nothing else that I really liked. Um, I, I'll close out my my Dynamite takes with, um, you know, I, I, it was hard to convey this on Twitter, but I, I put it out there anyway. Brandy is in a position that she is the focal point of everything she does. And she has glaring weaknesses in how she delivers her information. And for me, it's kind of the way that Charlotte is in ring. Charlotte gets the praise of being the greatest of all time. I mean, fucking Dave LaGreca wants her to be wrestling Randy Orton when she comes back. You know, like that's how high he thinks of her. But the the hype was there, 
before the in-ring was there. When Charlotte first won her title against Brie, everything about her was covered up by Ric Flair interfering. Is not something Brandy has the opportunity now. She's put in this position and no one's covering up her weaknesses. I have a huge disconnect with Brandy when she's talking. The interview segment she had with Shaq, she just seems so unpolished. If she had the opportunity to grow, let someone who is more comfortable, more familiar, who resonates better on the mic be in that situation and and Brandy start to grow and grow and grow and grow because she could be. She has a presence to her, but it's not there. It doesn't click. So the segment she had with Shaq was, I'm hot shit blah 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 Shaq's like my bad and then of course it ended with but take some pointers while you're out which I thought was a great line but even Brandy getting offended doesn't sound like she's offended it sounds like she's playing a person that's offended so it's just she's, she's a big disconnect for me and then in ring what really got to me was Orange Cassidy versus MJF there was too much interference from or or shenanigans going on outside and all this shit for me to to fully invest in the match, for me to to care about what was going on, I just I had a hard time because I mean, look, Sammy Guevara, MJF, and Orange Cassidy are the future of the wrestling business. Period. Period. They are young guns who can be here for a long time, and that should not be taken lightly. An Orange Cassidy versus MJF match, regardless of what it's for, especially though when it's for something that is touted as this diamond ring of the ring. Why, why why, are you allowing all the shenanigans to happen? Have it be just the two of them going at it. Shout out to Miro for having the deadliest clothesline of all time. I guess that's his finisher now. Because uh, all it took was that and a very slow moving MJF to get to Orange Cassidy to end the match. It's just, I don't know, man. It, it, was, it was a miss because AEW prides themselves on not having DQ finishes. But you'll do everything DQ without the ref seeing it. And then you still count the one, two, three. I didn't like it. And then the other thing I'm completely tell AEW I'm out on is this Kenny Omega stuff. I'm sorry, guys. Look, I tried. I watched. It doesn't hit. I found the full bus interview with Kenny Omega and Don Callis, and I get it. I get the perspective. I see what they're trying to say. But when you do the shortened version on AEW of the same thing, I'm out. I'm out. You have the opportunity to grab all the fans by the balls and have this thing build and build and build, and you're not doing it. You're telling the story that you want, and it's up to me to enjoy it. Well, I'm not because you had me watch WWE style, that is. You had me watch Impact because Kenny Omega is going to show up. Okay. Just like when WWE advertises Brock Lesnar, when does he show up? Not until the very end. You just watch the whole entire show waiting for one segment. And that's what happened with Omega on Impact. So I watched that whole time just to see him show up. Nope, I actually cut it out. And I watched everything on Twitter afterwards. So what? Then I'm watching AEW all the time, like I said, side by side. Mute what's not important and raise the vibe. So when they came out, and let, how about this shit? So important, they pull up to the building and they walk into the wrong entrance. Had to walk around and go in the right way. Come on. Come on. So stupid. And then they get in the ring and they talk their shit. Oh, and Kenny Omega's the cleaner, but they're not calling him the cleaner. So you got four girls dancing with brooms and that's what makes him the cleaner. 
it's that the swag and the presentation is not is not adding up you guys are calling him something that it's not being presented now yes i'm not familiar with the new japan version but if that's what you want to call it then it needs to be presented that that way there's no cohesion with the presentation and how he's acting and again they they did the same promo on impact on dynamite an abbreviated version saying the same things and all they did was tease one more thing that there's going to be a surprise next week well guess what i'm done you had two opportunities to hit me with the sledgehammer and you didn't even swing you didn't even swing you are not in position to tease you are in position to give because the more you tease the less likely i'm gonna stay again these shows have less than a million viewers. And uh, AEW probably went over a million this past Wednesday. But like I said, I watched, my wife and I watched The Masked Singer. They get 4.55 million views on the same night. At the same time. You're, you're one quarter the viewership as a celebrity contestant show. Think about that pre-recorded reality television you are this you are 25 percent as good as and even on nxt you're about 20 18 as good as so you're not in position to tease you're in position to pull you in and keep you there and AEW is not keeping me there and this was a good honest try because i did like how it all looked at everything i liked the presentation of things but what you gave me the stories of it i didn't now, all I was really hoping for was that this was going to feel some type of NWO dangerous, okay? You know, Tony Khan in his um, infomercial, as Don Callis called it, which I thought was pretty funny, his his infomercial segment on, on Impact, you know, talking about buying Impact or however it was. I didn't really listen to the whole thing. Um, that's, that's the kind of danger that I'm talking about, but I want that to be talked about from... Don Callis and Kenny Omega. Tell me why it's important that the two of you teamed up. Not just that you have history and you work at separate companies. Nobody's doing anything to make this dangerous. It's just there. And without depth, it's just there. Now, he's hinting at a collector gimmick, and people are speculating he's going to go after several titles, like the NWA title, the Impact title, the New Japan title. And I get all that. That's that's cool for wrestling moments, okay? Like they're saying wrestling history. And, and actually, I, I agree. That would be cool for that. But if there's no investment in it, then you're just doing it. So for me, it don't hit. It don't hit at all. You, you're not telling me why. Because you consider yourself? Well, show me you are. If you consider yourself the greatest wrestler, and you don't show me that you're the greatest wrestler, then I don't agree with you. You understand? That, that reverse psychology can work on other people. He called his match against John Moxley a seven-star classic. Yes, he is being arrogant. He is being egotist egotistical. But even Roman Reigns has had a change in his character when talking. Omega's just being the dick version of his baby face. He's talking the same way. It's like, I can tell you to go fuck yourself, or I can tell you to have a nice day. And in those two lines right there, my voice didn't change. That's what Kenny Omega's doing. He's just saying dumb shit as his babyface self. It's not a change. It's not a gimmick adjustment. It's just being him. And for me, that doesn't resonate. If he's going to go collect those other titles, that's cool. But I'm not going to turn into New Japan World. I'll just wait until it's on Dynamite. Like You know what I'm saying? Like it's not. You're not showing me why 
I should be pulled along with you. If they want to call this a wrestling world takeover and we we became the EVPs of these companies and then they want to go tag, uh, team up with the executive vice president of NWA and, and that's a roundtable discussion they're having. And then, you know, they, they want to leak something about them starting their own company and all that shit, whatever it is. You got to give me, you got to give me something, but you didn't. And you had two opportunities to do it because even if they want to say, oh, well, they're, they're showing you their history. They said that on commentary during the match that they've known each other for that long, that it's the uncle and all that stuff. So we, we heard that already. There was nothing new out of Tuesday and Wednesday. The only thing that was new is that I watched. That's it. So sorry, AEW, but you did it again. I will I will check in from here and there to see where the Sting storylines go because if they can show you know WWE what to do with a legend that's not just throw them in a match, then, you know, cool. But we'll see. We'll see how all that goes. Other than that, though, the rest of NXT I thought was, was the whole, I mean, look, for me, NXT far better blew away dynamite in what they put on one of my favorite parts was the eo shirai tony storm thing i mean i've been a tony storm guy from the gate and eo i have grown to just absolutely love and it was it was perfect tony was was doing an interview and they asked her what was good and she goes i'm after that title and then eo comes in and goes tony i don't have anything against you i just don't like you and then attacked her and then they brawled out into the ring and all it was so cool so cool so i'm excited for that but like i said earlier it looks like we're going to get raquel and tony versus ember moon and ray ripley okay okay <laughs> sign me up let's see what the fallout is let's see who eo shirai's next opponent is going to be uh a match a match i didn't expect to like but was fucking awesome and surprising was champa versus grimes holy shit this is the match that I thought we would have had between Ciampa and Thatcher where they meshed their styles and the victory was hard fought and won. And that did happen, but it was too much of Ciampa beating Thatcher with Thatcher's style as opposed to them doing each other's and then Ciampa winning in Ciampa's style. Because even the pin, I don't know if you guys noticed this, even the pin uh, with Ciampa on Thatcher he even like threw a little double wrist lock on a little submission and a pin at the same time so i found it to be a little odd but anyway the match with grimes was fucking awesome and, and thatcher came out to watch a little bit of it and i tell you they're they're teasing this they're teasing this this whole uh tag team between they're teasing a tag team between champa and thatcher and i, I kind of said it you know a couple weeks ago when it seemed like they were building up, that it, it might be a place to go. But the way they're doing it, you, you got to, I think you got to team up Thatcher and Ciampa. I do. I do. Let's, let's build this tag team scene into some shit. And then you start getting Thatcher his wins because motherfuckers got to stop losing. Now, when Karrion Cross came out later in the night and attacked Damian Priest, I really thought that we were going to save Cross for next week because. He didn't show up all night. Priest came out at a gratuitous time during the North American title segment where uh, Gargano and his squad, uh, what'd they call him? The the Way. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing a promo, which is a very, very good promo. Um, and and cross-attacked him from behind, for, you know, for talking shit. But I, I would have liked a little Undertaker vibe the next week of, you know, lights out and all that shit. But 
you know, then what I, they did, they ended it well, where, where Cross left the building, got in the car and bounced. Like, okay, so you're showing that he's here for business, all business, and you can't fuck with me. So uh, I'm definitely okay with that for sure. Now, for me, absolutely huge, huge takeaway. It's Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. I've said this for the last couple times. I've seen Ember Moon. She is shaking off that ring rust and looking like the person she was when she got called up. I mean, she's back in NXT looking like NXT Ember Moon, and I'm so happy because the first first match she had back, she just looked slow, a little lethargic, wasn't really getting Now she's flipping around doing her shit, and this is after that brutal fucking war games that she just went through. Uh, her and Raquel put on one heck of a match, man, and... I'm so happy for Raquel Gonzalez. She is putting on display her full talent, and they are, without even mentioning it, putting her in position to take that title off of EO. Fucking Sunday night, she gets the pin in War Games over EO. Wednesday night, she gets the pin on Ember Moon. I mean, this is back-to-back matches. She's pinned two NXT Women's Champions. I mean, if she... If if Tony Storm and Raquel versus, I'm sorry, if, if Tony, yeah, Tony Storm and Raquel versus Rhea and Ember Moon actually happens next Wednesday, and Raquel gets the pin on Rhea and she pins three NXT champions in a row, I mean, that's that's some crazy shit. And she's not doing it again gratuitously. She's doing it in the flow of these matches with credibility. She's looking fantastic. I'm so happy about this. I mean, I, my love for women's wrestling has always been on display in this podcast, but I absolutely am feeling like we are getting something in this women's division in NXT that is is truly verging on special. Because remember, when when Tony Storm debuted and Ember Moon, Ember Moon debuted at the same time, re, I'm sorry, when they both re-debuted at the same time, the women's division was kind of in a lull. We didn't really know where shit was going. And think about this. On this episode, the fallout from War Games and everything, Dakota Kai wasn't there. Candice LeRae cut an extremely important promo or was part of an extremely important promo, looked the part even though she has the broken arm, and Indy Hartwell played her place just perfectly. Now we have Zia Lee doing these uh, these vignettes that are just insane. They are telling the story way better than I ever gave them credit for being able to. And I cannot wait for her to come back. What's the attitude going to be? How well is she going to do? My two favorites, Casey and Caden, weren't even on. Dakota Kai, where was she? Shotzi Blackheart, where was she? Yet the women's division is still the talk of Wednesday night. How great is that? How fucking great is that? So look, I had a great time Wednesday night watching. It, It was a lot of fun. Next Wednesday... I will be watching NXT and The Masked Singer side-by-side. The Masked Singer, while there's performances, will have the volume on. NXT won't. And then at 9 o'clock, it'll be just NXT. If something crazy happens, I'll put on uh, AEW. If nothing crazy happens, we'll just be watching Christmas movies. And we don't have a problem with that. So, anyway, great, great Wednesday night. A whole lot of fun. I'm so glad NXT put on a show. That, that rivaled the hype of what AEW was talking about and also was a fantastic follow-up to War Games. I'm not... I, I hate sounding like a hater. 
on AEW, but I'm very, very simple when it comes to wrestling. When I turn it on, make me invested. If I'm not invested, can't do it. That, that FTR match versus the varsity whatever was dope. Give me more of that. I was excited for MJF versus Orange Cassidy. They threw it all away. That's all. That's all I ask. Had Sting said maybe three words, I, w- I would have been hype. Had Don Callis and Kenny Omega said something other than what they said on Tuesday, hey, I'd have been fine with that too. So anyway, that's this episode. We'll check back sometime after SmackDown. Maybe put SmackDown and Raw together. We'll see how things go. All right? You know how it goes. So with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel, follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. Until next time.